Well, amen. That's a good song. Amen. Still the blood, and it still is the blood. Amen. And nothing else but the blood. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Man, I can tell you what, it was on there for a minute. Wow, you guys were going crazy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we've been dealing with um, this particular passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and talking about fruit that remains, and just three simple thoughts. Well, tonight we wrap that all up, and we uh, move ahead now, we'll get into something else down the road, but right now we're just still wrapping up those three elements that are needed, or at least fundamental elements that our fruit remains. And so notice what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 1. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Again, Paul was writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus. And I'm sure that Timothy, like every pastor and every leader in a church, recognizes the need for fruit to remain. Well, I'll tell you what, we live in a day and a generation where it just seems that commitment is not very strong in so many areas. And, you know, it, years ago, I mean, back in the, the 40s and the 50s and 60s, it seemed like as a whole, if people said they were going to come to church after they talked to you, then they came to church. But that has waxed and waned through the years, and it seems today that folks may imply or kind of give the impression that they're going to come, but they don't. And it just seems that folks aren't as committed. We see uh, our divorce rates skyrocketing. We recognize that uh, moms and dads aren't really there for their children at times like they should be. And there's a lack of commitment in our whole entire generation. And the fact is, is that it's, it's, it's making its way, if you will, into the church, and it's affecting the future, I guess, of ministry, and Paul the Apostle's talking to Timothy, and he's saying, listen, you know, there's some guidelines here. There's a couple basic fundamentals that you need to implement and make sure of if you want your fruit to remain, and I believe we see it in chapter 2, verse 2, when he says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We noted right off the bat the message, how vital that was. The gospel isn't your message. It's not my message. It's God's message. And, and, and we realize that you can't mess around with that message. Or it invites all kinds of problems and all kinds of trouble. The strongest language in Scripture is reserved not for the murderer or the adulterer or the extortioner, but for those who proclaim and promote religious error. Paul declared this message, a message that produces a solid and secure foundation in a person's life, a supernatural message that is dependable 
and brings about supernatural change. And then we talked about the men. The same commit thou to faithful men. We learned that we must invest in those that are faithful. The faithful are in their place. They're anxious to learn and grow. And because their roots are found deep in the soil of faith, they are going to weather the storms of life. They're going to deal with the spiritual attacks. And we need to invest in those investing in themselves. And in doing so, we're likely to experience fruit that remains. And then we come to the third aspect of this thing. Not only the message, not only the men, but we're going to see the need for ministry now. He says, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. To teach others also. We want fruit that remains. We need a supernatural message that is committed to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. So we deal with the ministry tonight. And we consider just a couple of thoughts about the ministry. So let's have a quick word of prayer and we'll move along tonight. And we'll put ourselves in a position where we can have time for our meetings and get out of here at a reasonable time. And we'll be ready for tomorrow. Looking forward to what he's going to do. Father, we ask for your leadership tonight now. Bless us in these next moments. I pray again that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, allow me to be your mouthpiece tonight. I need you to touch me, to anoint me. And I pray that you would just bless the message tonight. May it go forth with great unction and power. May the message do its work. Father, remove the messenger. And may they see and hear only the message. And Father, may you be glorified tonight in everything that's said and done. Again, be in this place and do your perfect work in our lives. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. The ministry is about reminding. He says to teach. Well, when you think about teaching, it's really just sharing or, in many cases, reminding people of the same things over and over again. The best way to learn something is repetition. So therefore, if I'm going to teach something, I'm going to teach it repetitively, to do it over and over again, teaching the same thoughts, the same principles, so that they get ingrained and they become second nature, that they become, in essence, muscle memory. Timothy is instructed to commit the truths that he has received of the Apostle Paul to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What kind of truths did Paul share with Timothy? Well, undoubtedly, there are those foundational truths that we all have to address consistently. For instance, things like the word is truth. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 160, Thy word is truth, true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Thy word is true. Boy, the word is truth. And we need to remember that. We need to teach that. We need to talk about it often. Not only that, but we need to share the reality that God created all things. I mean, these are issues that 
today are kind of being missed in our world, in our culture. Young people and children, at least in the United States, are not finding their way to the house of God much anymore. And as a result, they're not being taught about God. They're not learning about creation. They don't have a grandma or a grandpa or a mom or a dad that brings them to the house of God. So many young people across this country have no reality, or should I say no concept of the Bible and truth. Remember as you're teaching your classes tomorrow and throughout this week, teachers, remember that these youngsters in many cases have no real background. You're going to need to explain things to them. You can't just assume they know the story of Israel. You can't assume they know how they arrived in Egypt. You can't assume anything. And you have to be prepared to share basic fundamental truths and to explain terms and make it clear and simple for them to understand. But we have to learn the fundamental truths. The Word is truth. God created all things. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Sadly today, we need to remind folks that God created us male and female. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. There is no gender debate in the word of God. It is settled. We need to teach to fear God and who created you and to keep his commandments. Those are all fundamental truths. Those are things that we need to consistently and continually remind ourselves of and others. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So what's my purpose? What's my duty in life? Oh, I guess it's to fear God and keep his commandments. It's not complicated, is it? But you know what? There are folks that don't even have a clue that that's required of them. They don't even know this. And that is the element of teaching and then repetitively sharing it over and over again, needing to give it to them on a consistent basis. But as important as these fundamental truths are, these foundational truths are, Timothy was committed quite a bit more for the Apostle Paul than just those foundational doctrines. You know, we get the idea that the fundamentals of the faith are all that really matter. As long as you and I agree on the fundamentals, that's all that matters. Oh, there's all kind of little things in the Bible that aren't as significant. They're not as important. What matters is that we all agree on salvation. What matters is that we all agree on just the virgin birth. That's all that really matters, those biggies, you know. But the rest of the Bible's kind of like gray. It's kind of like you can interpret it the way you want to interpret it. You can come to your own conclusions about what it really means. That's kind of the attitude and the outlook that we seem to possess in America today and in our churches across the country. And can I tell you that Timothy was being committed some truths by the Apostle Paul, not simply some fun, fundamental truths as we would often refer to them, but very specific ones. In chapter 1, we see in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that Paul points out the need for doctrinal purity. And shares a warning against unsound doctrine. He charges Timothy to fight a good warfare, to maintain a good conscience, and to remember that, there, that we are all prone to shipwreck. Can I tell you, that's as much the truth of the Word of God as the virgin birth. And you know, it's so simple for us to neglect those things. Doctrinal purity, yes. But how far down the line in doctrine? I'd say the whole thing. 
not just the biggies. It's kind of like trying to distinguish between major prophets and minor prophets. It doesn't make any sense if you're talking about their importance or significance. Now, I know that when people talk about that, they're talking about those that wrote a lot versus those that wrote a little. But if you're talking about the significance or the impact that their books have, there is no minor. Chapter 2 of 1 Timothy. You say, why 1 Timothy? Because he's writing to him in 2 Timothy now. So he obviously gave him some truths in 1 Timothy. In in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul addresses prayer for all. And the need to pray for our public officials. That's just, that's vital. That's important. That's very, very important. He expresses the unique roles of men and women and how that looks in the church. That's important. That's the Bible. That's doctrine. Those are things that were committed to Timothy. That now Timothy is to commit to others who can teach others also. In chapter 3... Of 1 Timothy, the apostle lists the requirements for a pastor and an elder. A pastor or elder. That would be somebody like me. Hey, what's that about? Hey, that's something that we better continue to pass on. Something that has to still take precedent that's still important today. It's not necessarily the virgin birth, but let me tell you, if you don't get that part of the Bible right, you don't get any of it right. We see that he lists the requirements for deacons in chapter 3. We see in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy that Paul addresses apostasy in the church and how to recognize it. These are important elements. We're talking about fruit that remains. We're talking about if we want fruit that remains, we need a message. And that message extends beyond just simply the death, the burial, and resurrection. That message goes beyond just simple the fundamentals of the faith. Well, I got a friend, and we all agree on the virgin birth. That's good. Do you agree on some other things? Because if you don't, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And we say, well, we, made, we don't make those things majors in our house. We don't make them majors in our life. Well, I don't know. How major does God make it? Because that's, depend, that's the key. It's important because if we want fruit that remains, we better be careful. I'm watching a departure from fundamental Baptist faith because we don't want to stick to our standards and to the guns. And let me tell you, some of those standards are written pretty plainly in the scriptures. And we're, dis- we're discarding them because we said they're not important anymore. Who told you they're not important? God? When did separation stop being important to the believer? But that's... The message too, That's, it's not just the virgin birth. We're talking about the message of separation. We read about it in 1 Corinthians as Paul addresses and deals with the church at Corinth. But in chapter 4, he addresses this apostasy in the church and how to recognize it. He points out what a good minister can do in times of apostasy. In chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, the apostle speaks about widows and widows indeed and the responsibility of the church versus the responsibility of their families. He points out the responsibility is to support one's own family. He speaks about caring for the pastor and, God forbid, addressing gross sin in the pastor's life. In chapter 6, he addresses the believer's attitude toward authority. He points out the perils of riches and the gain of godliness with contentment. He reminds them to remain pure and spotless while watching for the return of Jesus Christ. 
Those are all truths. Those, that is the message that he gave to Timothy that he is to give and commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. If we hope to have fruit that remains, we must remind folks often of the truth. And not just the major truths, but the truth. Wouldn't it be something if your children came to you today and said, you know, I know it is very, very important that I take a bath every day. But I don't think going to bed at 9 o'clock is important. I think I can go to bed later and I'll still get up and I'll be fine. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bed at 9. And you'd say, well, if you don't consider that important... I get it. That's up to you, son. As long as you take your bath, you're good to go. Seriously? But how come we as believers can disregard certain elements of God's Word and we think He's supposed to just accept it because we didn't classify that as being important? Or as, oh, that's just divisive. Oh, I see. Well, I think in today's uh, world, more than ever, we need to recognize the Word of God as the authority. And we need to stop compromising based on the culture and the society we live in. And we need to take those truths that we've been taught, not last week necessarily, but maybe the last decade or the last 50 years and start applying them to our lives and transferring them down to the next generation instead of watering down the truths of the Word of God to this generation to try to keep them. We should probably give it to them straight so that they have something to hold on to that's worth holding on to. It never works the way it does. As a parent, if you think you're going to compromise a few of your values, you're going to give in to a few of your rules to your kids, and that'll help them to be more obedient in other areas, you are mistaken. That only leads to more rebellion and disobedience. And you know what? In the church today, we have caved to the societal pressures. We have said young people can't listen to godly music anymore. They need something more upbeat. They need something that's more modern. They need something that's more like the world in order to draw them in. Well, I'm going to tell you, they're not getting it here. You go ahead and let them listen to it in your house, but not in this one. Because the Bible still says that we're to have godly music, Christ-centered music, that's not worldly, nor is it fleshly, and it's separated and different than the world we live in. God forbid that somebody should walk into your, or sit down in your car and push a CD in or, or hit your little button on your phone and hear music that sounds just like theirs but has Christian words. That's pitiful. That's not biblical, by the way. He said, ah, that's pretty divine. No, I'm telling you, Timothy realized that Paul, he gave it to him. He gave it to him here straight. And he said, now listen, you need to commit this to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Not teach what they want to teach, but teach what they have been taught. Again, if we have, hope to have fruit that remains, we must remind folks often of the truth. In Colossians 1.28, the Bible says, Whom we preach, warning every man, talking about Christ, 
preaching Christ, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now listen, there is an element of perfection that takes place. The moment you are saved, the Bible says that that which is perfect lives in you according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. That man in you is perfect. But how's come he's telling us then that he's going to try to present us perfect? Obviously, there's still a work taking place. And we read about it in Philippians, where in, in Philippians, I think it is 1 6, where he says, and, and he says, and God hath begun a good work in you and will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. There's still a work taking place. And boy, I'll tell you what, a big part of that work is adhering to and following the scriptures, being molded and made into the image of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3.16, he even goes on to say, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Even our music ought to be expressing our beliefs. So first and foremost, right off the bat, the ministry is about reminding. It's about teaching but teaching the right things, teaching the message that Paul had given to Timothy, that Timothy now was to commit to other faithful men who would be able to teach. And he says others, teach others. So the, the ministry is about reminding. The ministry is about reaching them. Teach others. It's about reaching the next soul. A, the believer has a responsibility to reach the world with the good news of the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we read, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, and we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We're ambassadors, he says, of Christ. For Christ. Ambassadors, representatives of the King. That's important. And boy, we sat in our Go Rally yesterday and heard testimony of folks that weren't just out knocking doors with the gospel. They were sharing it in their family events and different aspects of their life and hearing about the results and how God was blessing and using them in the environment that they found themselves in. Can I tell you, it's not just about a Tuesday night. It's not just about a Saturday morning. It's about a lifestyle, a Christian lifestyle. The next soul. Well, I'm happy to say that there are many in this church that take that role and responsibility seriously. There are. There's a good number of you that take it very seriously. And God would have every believer do that. And I assure you that there is always room for another. Always room for someone else to join in. But boy, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, he says, listen, Timothy, you're going to be given. I've committed to you this message. I've committed to you these truths. Now, you're to commit them to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. It's about reaching the next soul. It's about reaching the next generation. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, some of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. I love these verses. The man or woman of God has a responsibility to pass their faith and beliefs down to their children and to the next generation. 
as I said this morning, there are exceptions to the rules. Man, sometimes our children, they get old enough, they're going to make their own decisions. They're going to go their own direction maybe, but boy, let it not be because we did not teach them. Let it not be because we failed in our responsibility to share truth and to extend it to them. Let it be because they choose to go something different than where we went and what we shared. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as fauntlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. We see that we're to internalize this truth ourselves. It ought to become ours first, and then we need to instill that truth into others. And went specifically to our own families, specifically where we live first. How sad would it be for you to say, I'm going to be fired up and I'm going to be faithful to God's house. I'm going to go out door knocking and I'm soul winning and I'm going to be teaching in a classroom, but then go home and spend no time with your own children and allow them to go to hell while everybody else's kids get the best you've got. What a pitiful situation that would be. That'd be horrible. Well, you need to work, fathers and dads and moms. You need to work at instilling truth into your children, spending quality time in the Word of God with them in the Bible about the Word of God. I'm not talking about being a drill sergeant, and I'm not talking about everybody sits down, nobody moves, you knock it off, you quit it, we're, God, we're reading for God right now, you better watch it or God will strike you. Ridiculous. Or the pastor will get you when I tell him. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Supposed to love me. I don't care whether they love you or not, but they better love me. <laughs> but boy, I tell you what, we should be able to enjoy time with our children around the things that we enjoy, the Word of God. Let's not be fake and let's not be phony because we're going to see in just a moment that that can be a tremendous downfall when it comes to fruit that remains. Boy, the next generation is so important. So we recognize that the ministry is about reaching. The ministry is about, I'm losing my notes here. Hold on, I'm sorry. It's about reminding. But finally, the ministry is about reproduction. Because he says that those men and women, those faithful men and women, that they may be able to teach others also. It's, there's another generation. There's another group. It goes from me doing the teaching, the training, instilling truth into a life, to them turning around and doing the teaching, the training, and instilling the truth into another life. Wow. Isn't that what we're looking for? It's different today, preacher. It's tougher today. Our kids get to a certain age and they want nothing to do with God. Why? What has changed? There's a part of me right now that wants to take my phone and just smash it on this stage. You put phones in your children's hands, you might as well give them a gun. Yeah, that was harsh, I know. But I'm telling you right now, you are dooming your children. 
I used to try to be kind about it. I used to try to be nice. But let me tell you something. You better understand how serious this mess is that we're in. No child needs a phone that has access to anyone or everything they want. And you say, well, I'm checking it. You go ahead and check it. But they know how to get around it. I'm telling you, no, you do what you want to do. But we wonder why the attrition rate is so high among our young people. Could it be because there's so much world in them? You say, it's not in my home. If they got a phone, it's in their hand. I know how much world is in my phone. Just reading news articles, there's a lot of world. I don't, I don't, like I told you this morning, I don't need everything I'm reading. It's affecting my attitude. It affects my outlook. How does it affect children? Listen, I'm not going to be mad at you. You do what you want to do. I tell people all the time. I tell them all the time. I don't. I won't get mad at you for not doing the, the Word of God or the truth if you don't get mad at me for preaching it. But I'm just going to have to tell you sometimes. I'm warning you as your pastor. That's what I'm supposed to do. I watch for your souls. That's what he says in Hebrews. And I just want to encourage you, be careful with this stuff. This stuff is nothing to mess around with. Hey, listen. There is not one gun in America that's harming our children more than those phones are. Not one. Every child's being harmed by those phones. Handfuls of children in comparison are being hurt by guns. And I'm not trying to dismiss the the severity of what transpired and took place. No, that was a horrific situation. However, let me tell you, millions of children are being corrupted to the point of no return. Thank you, preacher. We love you for being honest with us, Amen. telling us the truth. Amen. We are about reproduction. And boy, he says also, listen, note how God describes the growth of the early church. Look, if you would, in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> we were talking, it wasn't that long ago. Remember some of you that are my age and older? Remember that? Way back then? Remember when there was that 12-inch little black and white TV? And you all got there and your mom would say, don't sit so close, it'll burn your eyes out. <laughs> Remember that? It was a 12-incher. It's as big as a couple people's phones. I think Dean around here has got a bigger phone. You know what I'm talking about? And then that phone sat right in the middle of the living room. (laughs) You couldn't get away with nothing. Then remember when those first computers started coming out. TVs are already in color now. And man, I mean, they're starting to get bigger. And the computers are starting to come out now. And that computer came out. Man, that computer screen cost a mint. Like, why is it so expensive? TVs aren't even that expensive. I mean, they're expensive. But man, that little screen is expensive. And you're buying that little teeny computer screen. It wasn't even color at the time. And it sat right in the middle of the room. Everybody, if you're going to use a computer, there it was, right there. And you couldn't sneak around on that thing. 
You couldn't look at anything that was wrong because somebody walked in on you. I've known people who did and they got caught by their children. I've known preachers who have. What a chance that was in those days. But today, eh, everybody's got a TV in their room, right? Everybody's got a phone that can access anything they want. How dangerous of a world do we live in? And we think the economy's the problem? You know what? How about you? Let me ask you this. And I know that I'm off topic today. But let me ask you. Would you be happy, happier if your child was like poor and just had enough money to make it but had moral character or that they were hooked on pornography and made 250000 a year? What would you prefer for your kid? Don't really answer because maybe one day the Lord will hold it to you. But I'm going to tell you something. We're making a big mistake in Christianity today. We're forgetting what's really important. I guess it's because I can't help but think about kids these days as we move into our VBS. I've been talking about them all week this week. Concerned about them. I love that picture, by the way, I saw the other day that you sent me from bus number six. They were out doing an ice cream thing, handing out ice cream to all the kids. I loved it, showing our children sitting with the bus kids eating ice creams and just getting along and having a great time. Do you know that that's how life really is? That you know that it can work? Where Christ is, there's peace, there's hope. We don't need everything the world has to be happy. We just need Him. I love that picture. I I can't get things out of my head this week. It's awesome as we think about VBS. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I, I hope I get to this. I've got to get through it. Here it is. We're almost done. Here's how the, it works in the early church. Acts 2, 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They were added. That's a lot of souls. Look at verse 47. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. He's adding to the church. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 says, And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multiples, both of men and women. Men and women being added to the church. I mean, just wow. But hold on. Not only addition, but something else is taking place now. Multiplication. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Hmm. 6, 7, and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Acts 12, 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Man, what's happening now is is that they're fulfilling 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now it's not just a matter of a few men out there giving the gospel and leading people to Christ. Now those that they have led to Christ are leading others to Christ. It's a domino effect. Thousands upon thousands are being saved 
And you know, multiplication demands reduplication. Winning one, and that one wins one, and that one wins one. Do you realize, and again, this is, I know, a far-fetched kind of thing, but I was doing the math yesterday, and I was running it up on my little computer, and I was looking at what it would take to reach 7 billion people. It'd take about 30 years if we doubled every year. If, if all of us, if, if I won one today, and next year I won one and they won one, and the next year the four of us won one, and the next year the, 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 the eight of us won one, and the next year 16 won one, and the next year 32 won one each, within 30 years we'd be in the billions. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? The world will never be reached by you or me alone. It'll be reached as we commit those things we've learned to faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others also. That's why VBS is important. Because we're going to take some time to share what we have learned in our lives from the Word of God and we're going to commit it to those young people and those children this week. Wow, how important is that? So if our fruit is going to remain, it's not enough to repeat what we know. We must replicate who we are. This is important now. It's not enough. Reproducing is more than passing down information. It's about reduplication. And reduplication is a word. I looked it up. I thought I might have made it up, but it didn't. It's already in the Webster's. So in order to effectively, to be effective in the area of reduplication, we must be real and genuine. See, we got, we, it's, it's not just what you know, it's who you are that matters most. That's what we have to reduplicate. Telling our children what we know and what we say we believe is different than passing down who we are. They're going to, we say more is caught than taught. We reproduce what we are, not what we want. So we must be real and genuine. Not only that, we must be responsible and good. Not only that, we must be righteous and and godly. What do you want most for your children, your grandchildren tonight? What do you want most? Is it righteousness and godliness? I'm telling you, we better get our priorities straight. If we want the next generation to carry on what we believe and what we have, then it better be a priority in our lives. Because just telling them what we believe will never get the job done. Let me ask you this. Would you be happy if your children turned out to be just like you? I mean, just like you. If not, what about you would you change in them? I'm not asking, are your kids exactly like you? I'm asking, would you, do you want them 
I mean, would you be happy if they turned out to be just like you? And if not, what about you would you change in them? Can I tell you that it doesn't do any good to determine what it is you would change until you change that in you? Change that now. Change it now. Because your children will be more like you than you'll ever imagine. And it's always the bad things they seem to catch on to quicker than the good. Any parent can attest to that. I mean, let one bad word slip out of your mouth and it seems like your kid never forgets it. You can admonish people forever, but then let one bad thing slip out and it's like, shut up, would you? Why did you tell your four and five-year-old teacher that word? I'm always amazed sometimes when... <laughs> we had a... I got to close down, but we... We had a family in our church years and years ago. We're talking 20 or more years ago. And uh, the first thing happened is they said, their kid, of course, went to school and came back cussing, right? And I thought to myself, seriously? They went to school one day and they come back and they're good cussers now. Is it possible they've heard it elsewhere? Maybe not even from mom and dad, but maybe there were some kids in the house that were using the wrong kind of language. It's funny, people come to church and they say, my kid never cussed till they came to your Sunday school. Oh, really? Come on. I, I'm, I'm being honest. We as parents, we as leaders in our own homes have to present what we want our children to become. You ought to be thrilled if your children turn out like you. You should be one. I'm thrilled. I, I always wanted my kids to have what I had with the Lord. I always wanted them to have what I had in my life. I wanted that for them. I didn't necessarily want them to have more in some things because it would spoil them rotten. But by the same token, I wanted them to have more Jesus, though. But if they had what I had, I'd be pretty happy for them. If they had what Mama had, I'd really be happy. We reproduce what we are, not what we want. And more is caught than taught. Handing down the baton to the next generation, that's really the key, isn't it? So, the biblical message, it's our creed. Faithfulness, it's our credentials. Teaching others, that's our calling. If the church is going to continue to grow and go for Jesus Christ... There will always be a desperate need for faithful men and women. It will not be the part-time believer or the fair-weather faith that's going to pass the test of time. It's going to leave a legacy of faith to the next generation. It will be faithful men and women who are willing to teach others also. Reproduction is essential if we're going to have fruit that remains. And tonight, you're here. You, you know the truth. Give it to others. Share it with others. Let's make sure we're living it the best we know how. No perfect people. I'm sure somebody can always cast a stone at all of us. But let's do our best, filled with His Spirit, to live up to the Word of God and then to commit it to the next generation and committed to faithful men and women 
who shall be able to teach others also. Fruit that remains. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. And Lord, we're excited as we look forward to this week getting an opportunity to commit those truths that we've received to the next generation, to be able to pass it down to, to these young people. Now, we know that some of them aren't going to be as faithful as they need to be, but Lord, at least we're going to get an opportunity to begin to instill some of these truths and ultimately, we hope, provoke them to faithfulness. Or there may be those that need Christ in their life. Help us, Father, to convey the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in a very clear manner. To not push people to make decisions they're not prepared to make or ready to make, but to literally equip them to make those decisions on their own to be able to prepare them and ready their hearts and minds for the gospel and for salvation. We thank you now, Lord, for all you've done for us. And we thank you for the faithful teenagers in our church, for the faithful young singles, and Lord, for the adults that have committed themselves to you and to your house and to the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your people. Now help us, Lord, to convey those truths that we've been given to others to give them and commit them to the next generation, to the faithful who will be able to teach others also. We love you now and we need you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's